0: We're telling a story about community, about people doing something for your neighbor, bringing change, reacting to an oppressive system. It's a good time to be talking about the origins of a revolution and and the awakening of a revolutionary in terms of, of, of the journey of Cassian.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Dagobah Dispatch. That should cover us for whenever you happen to be listening to this here podcast, which works out just well because we have you covered with another high-octane, action-packed installment getting into all sorts of Star Wars tomfoolery. This week, we will be discussing and debating the best lightsaber battles in Star Wars history. Warning, opinions will be shared. What are the best of the best when it comes to crossing laser swords? We'll see if we agree or agree to disagree. Plus, Diego Luna is back with us to chat about the upcoming Andor series on Disney+. Plus. So we're going to see what that guy has to say. All that and a bag of chips coming your way right here, right now on the a Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, joined as always by Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan. And we have a special guest. Diego Luna is not the only celebrity... Returning to the podcast this week, as we also welcome back the world's number one General Veers fan, EW's own Christian Hollab is here. What's up, Christian? How you doing, man?
2: Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me back on. Uh, I don't know that we'll be we'll have that much time to talk about how much I love General Veers today, but we'll be talking about some of my other.
3: There's always time to talk about that. <laughs> please come on.
2: That that gets its own
1: podcast, a whole <laughs> whole episode unto itself.
2: You have to give it up for the competent imperial officers. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
1: <Sure>. Few <laughs> and far uh, between. That's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, before we get going, uh, we got to give a shout out. We gotta give a shout out to uh, our latest uh, Apple Podcast review. I always say this: Hey, if you leave us a review, we'll uh, we'll we'll read your review out in the air and give you a shout out. This one goes to the Flashback Awesome App. If that is your real name, uh, that's on his birth certificate. Yeah, right. Flashback Awesome App says, "Love this show. I like the interviews and all of that, and is like Star Wars Theory." Well, thank you very much, Flashback. Why can't have call it a flash bag? Flash bag. <laughs> it's like flea bag. I don't know. That's a Star Wars connection with Phoebe Waller Bridge, I guess. Did I just mentioned Solo. We're off to a great start. (laughs) Nowhere to go, but up. Um, So anyway, thank you. And again, if you guys leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out. So uh, really super appreciate that and appreciate everyone telling everyone about the podcast as well. Uh, Before we get into, so Lauren and Christian wrote a big article that we're going to talk about. They wrote it years ago, but we're going to talk about it now. (laughs) Three years later, we're going to get into it. Uh, Before we do that, there was some Star Wars news this week. It was announced yesterday that uh, there's going to be a documentary on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series called Obi-Wan Kenobi colon A Jedi's Return. It's going to air September 8th on Disney+. Plus. There's a fancy trailer that they debuted and uh, there are lots of stars um, talking about the project. Lauren Morgan first alerted us to this. She was on the case early Monday morning Lauren, what do you what do you think of the uh, the trailer for Obi Wan Kenobi: a Jedi's Return and this uh, documentary coming to uh, Disney Plus in a few weeks?
3: I'm pretty excited to see it. I uh, I the most exciting thing I think was watching uh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen doing their lightsaber practice. I don't know why I always like watching. actors doing their lightsaber practices so like I liked it when they did it in Last Jedi and all sorts of stuff so like seeing that but like you know the nice behind the scenes about it and getting to see um, more of what Hayden talks about like returning to Darth Vader and things like that I always love behind the scenes stuff so I was pretty uh, excited to see it though um, Ewan McGregor is rocking quite a mustache it's like his mustache was kind of overgrowing his beard so I was like that's kind of got a Yosemite Sam kind of mustache going on very tombstone of him yeah. yeah I was just like, wow, that's quite a mustache he has going. So but uh yeah, I was pretty excited. What did you guys
1: think? What'd you think, Devin?
4: Yeah, I I'm super excited for this. I love all of the some of the, my favorite stuff from the prequels is all the behind the scenes stuff. I love some of the the footage of them learning lightsaber battles for the first time or, or or things like that. Um, you know, Ewan is kind of famous for you know a lot of times when he would be rehearsing with the lightsabers, he would make the vish, vish noises with his with his mouth. So I'm very curious to know if he also did that on the set of Obi Wan Kenobi, because um, that's one of my my favorite things from from the
1: prequels. I totally do that. I totally make the noises yeah. whenever I'm wielding an imaginary. Yeah, like Laura license.
2: Dern saying pew pew when she fires yeah. the exactly. gun.
3: I think they should make a super cut of all the behind the scenes of the Star Wars actors making the sounds that their weapons are <laughs> making, like doing the lightsaber and the pew pew and all of this sort of stuff.
4: Yeah, it's the lightsaber cut. It's the, the, the sound effects <laughs> yeah, cut where it, and, and it's you just you watch the entire movie, but instead of having like the beautiful Skywalker sound, um, you know, lightsaber noises, you just have you and McGregor
1: just making all the noises himself i i'm into this i'm excited about this for the footage like usually the interviews and these sorts of things i mean are pretty much what you see in the trailer like oh my god it was incredible it's Mm -hmm. amazing i'm so proud to be a part of it like oh you know and you know i'm not trying to say that's not all real what they're saying but it's kind of not that enlightening but the footage is the footage looks cool. Like like Lauren, I love seeing any mm-hmm. sort of lightsaber practice. And this one you only saw a brief glimpse, but I guess they have masks on cuz you know the covid, so like they're really working too and like they that looks tough. And then there's a super cool shot of like Deborah Chow hugging Darth Vader when he's like right out of the back to tank. It looks like that scene where he's just like his whole head is completely gruesome. So I want more like pre and post back to tank footage of Hayden Christensen which yeah. looks super cool.
2: Yeah, and last time I was on this podcast was to talk about uh one of the mid-range episodes of mm-hmm. Obi-Wan that was me Lauren and uh West of Westeros host Nick Romano and one of the things we were talking about then is that it was a little unclear to us like who was playing Vader when and like who was in the suit at what time and so um that's always a question with playing Darth Vader is, but uh I think that would be fun about behind the scenes look at Obi-Wan is seeing some of that and and getting a better understanding of when Hayden's in the suit or the back to tank or whatever. And yeah, the whole appeal of this show as um, Dalton explored in his cover story, uh, you know, was the reunion of Ewan and Hayden. So any kind of um, genuine backstage footage you can get of them acting together and stuff is probably worth the watch.
1: Yeah. And we'll, we'll break it down once we actually see the thing um, with thoughts on it. By the way, before we keep going, I just want to mention, you know, Christian's brought up Nick Romano who, uh, uh, host uh, West of Westeros. Basically, everyone that I'm on this podcast with has like infiltrated multiple EW <laughs> podcasts. Because Lauren hosts West of Westeros mm-hmm. with Nick, and Devin and Christian have their All Rings Considered Lord of the Rings podcast, which is about to be kicking off as well. So, um, you guys definitely want to check check that out and growing like me a web. for an invite to uh, to come on your <laughs> podcast at some point.
3: It was a hard shift to think thinking about dragons to shifting over to lightsabers, because I've just been thinking <laughs> about dragons for nothing but, like, the last week.
1: Well, there are hints of incest in both properties, so <laughs> you get... I mean, <laughs> there you go. No,
4: but that's the thing. We at EW, we're, we're multipurpose nerds. I mean... God, how great is it to get to talk about Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and uh Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for the Jim Cotta
1: podcast to start at some point <laughs> in
2: 2023. We're gonna have to get that going the fourth on, great right? franchise
1: of modern times. Right. Sammy and I are talking. Listen, Sammy and I are talking. Don't worry about it. We have plans. Jim Cotta podcast coming your way soon. Okay, so let's get into why we're here. We're gonna have, as I mentioned, Diego Luna is gonna join us a little bit later to talk about Andor. We've got tons of Andor coverage for you each and every week leading into the premiere. So get psyched for that, but get psyched for this because Christian and Lauren wrote an article a few years back <laughs> yeah. ranking the best lightsaber battles in star Wars from a new hope to rise of Skywalker. Now don't say anything cause I've got a guess here. Okay. I've got a guess. I don't want you to, to spoil it, but so I was looking at this article. Well, first of all, it came out cause I said, Hey, we should, we should rank every single lightsaber battle. Like we ranked all the characters. Let's just do every single one. And we'll we'll write about it. And we'll rank it. And we'll talk about it on the podcast. And, and Lauren said, well, we did something kind of similar a few years back. And she sent me this link. And I said, all right, I still want to rank every lightsaber battle, but we're not <laughs> going to do that in like four days. So let's start here. And then in a few months, we'll, we'll get into every single one. But what's interesting about this list is it says we picked the 11 best lightsaber fights in the series. Now, 11 is a really odd number to pick, so my guess was, here's my guess, is that this was originally the 10 best lightsaber battles, and then Rise of Skywalker came out, and they updated it, changed the headline, added one more, and then now they awkwardly got stuck with 11. Lauren, am I on to something?
3: Yeah, that is pretty much how it was, even though after Rise of Skywalker, I was like, none of these go on here! I'm no... And then Christian's like, no, some one of these should go on here. And I was like, no. And so he he won. So we, now we have 11 lightsaber battles. So.
2: Is it actually? Yeah. So it's actually 12 lightsaber fights are on here, even though 11 is in the headline. So that makes it. A little little more, a little rounder Um, And I did just want to say Dalton, you keep saying like Yeah, they did this a couple years ago, I guess (laughs) It was a very specific timestamp. It was, we wrote this as Rise of Skywalker was coming out and EW was doing so much Star Wars content At that time, of course we didn't have this podcast yet Um, And so that's what it was about, um, but you know, it it, it it might as well have been five years in the last three years. So yeah. uh, we might have some different thoughts now. When
3: you when we talked about what we, that, we were talking. I had to go back and reread it because I couldn't remember how I ranked how we ranked them. I was like, I remember oh, a couple
2: specific arguments yeah. that we'll get into. But yeah. I knew
3: I knew what number one was, but I couldn't remember yeah. some of the other rankings.
1: The amount of money I would have paid. To be in that meeting <laughs> when Lauren was arguing about having to put a Clone Wars animated lightsaber <laughs> battle, <laughs> and then Star it not Rebels, Star Wars ma- Rebels. Oh, it was the Rebels. <laughs> That's right. It was the Rebels one but between Vader and Ahsoka, mm-hmm. and 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 then like it then it not making the list. So then, the compromise being, it was put in as like a uh, honorable mention. I just wish I could have been a, I would have had like a, a bowl of popcorn. I was eating it all. I would have loved it so much, so much. I mean, that was us doing
4: our our top characters mm-hmm. uh, list. Was literally Lauren being like, "Well, here's about seventy five animated characters who have to make the list."
2: If you're a fan of the animated Star Wars shows, especially from the last decade, Lauren is your ambassador on this yes. show and and Eddie W. She will. Fight for you,
3: yeah, pretty much. That's how it is now. Now that I read the list, I was like, oh, I would have put this like Ahsoka and Darth Maul battle <laughs> on it too. So I was thinking about that. So
1: I honestly think that deep down, Lauren is still pissed at me for not allowing her to add Zeb onto our Star Wars <laughs> top one hundred list. He's literally <laughs> like the five hundredth animated character, and I was like, Lauren, Lauren, it's it's just I love Rebels too. It was mm-hmm. it's too much, and she's still pissed about it deep <laughs> down. Maybe not even deep down. Maybe just out front. So good. I'll make
3: it the 101 best Star Wars characters one day when you're not paying attention.
2: <laughs>
1: All right, let's get let's get into the list, the the 11 best lightsaber fights in the series. <laughs> um let's start let's let's go right to to numero uno, number 1. Uh and I want to say so far, so great. I always say it and you guys said it as well that the the best lightsaber battle in the history of Star Wars, is the Phantom Menace, Qui Gon and uh, Obi Wan versus Darth Maul? Christian, why was this for you all? Was this number one?
2: As you can imagine, um, you know, usually, and and you guys remember this from the Star Wars character ranking, and probably any ranking that you've done at EW. I would say that the fight between what's number one and what's number two is usually the fiercest arguments that we have, at least in the ones mm-hmm. I've been a part of. Um, and and yeah, I think as I remember it, Lauren can correct me, I was really pushing for this one to be specifically number one. Um, I just think it's amazing and it's stood the test of time, um, whether it's Kylo's uh, wrist guard on his lightsaber or the Grand Inquisitor's kind of spinny handle thing. Star Wars is always trying to come up with ways to spice up the lightsaber, make a lightsaber that's cooler than any you've ever seen, and they've ne- still nothing tops for me Maul's two-sided lightsaber, mm-hmm. um, which is so amazing and also makes this fight unlike any other fight. I like. I'm pretty sure this is the only like three-person fight on the list um, that's made possible by by Maul's lightsaber and you have qui-gon weaving in sometimes he's fighting qui-gon sometimes he's fighting obi-wan that's really cool um and all the jumping around like the wherever they are in the in the depths of the naboo royal factory thing i have no idea what like it is reactor it does, room? is it a mm-hmm. reactor, it's room? No reactor room some kind of reactor room mm-hmm. clearly the set is designed specifically as like a jungle gym to have a lightsaber fight in and <laughs> And it's amazing. Um, I mean, I guess I kind of want to hear what what you guys have to say about it. But Duel of the Fates, obviously, a big part of this, and the the aura of it. So you've got the music unlocked, some of the best music, if not the best music in Star Wars, some of the best music in movie history. That song, um, and just the coolest lightsaber ever, one of the coolest Sith designs ever, um, and just a lot of cool jumping, leaping, fighting, parrying action. You've got Ray Park like a great action uh stuntman and and um you know action guy playing maul and so all the fighting is just really brutal and cool when it comes to lightsaber fights where you know a blue lightsaber is crossing a red lightsaber um i just think it doesn't get doesn't get better than duel of the fates
1: lauren were you in agreement on this or not
3: I think I initially like the must of our battle, I think, is my actual favorite one, and I think I made a slight run at trying to make that number one, but then I was like, "No, nah, it should be duel of the Fates." So I, it was kind of made a half-hearted attempt for a different arm. then I was like, "No, no, no, okay, Duel of the Fates is fine." We had some fiercer battles, I think, down the list about something getting included and not.
1: Devin, how do you feel about this at number one?
4: I mean I think this is the the logical choice. I mean I think we've all talked on this podcast quite a bit about how Phantom Menace is not a particularly good movie. Um but it really this is this is the height of of that film. I mean it is it is arguably one of the highlights of the entire prequel trilogy. We can't talk about this without talking about John Williams. Um you know he has always been the MVP of the Star Wars franchise um going all the way back to 1977 but I feel like you know, Duel of the Fates is is one of his true masterpieces. You know, I when I was at Star Wars Celebration and when they kicked off the big panel and brought out Ewan and um, Hayden for the first time, they had a full orchestra and choir singing Duel of the Fates, and it was like being at a rock concert. Everybody just lost their minds because it, it is just one of those pieces of music and pieces of fight choreography that is just like so beautiful and. Like it, it rules. It's just like it's just so much fun to watch. And it's like heartbreaking and, you know, like like makes you gasp, but also it's just fun. There's like a joy to it that is, you know, like a, just such a blast. It's it's so much it's it's like when you watch you know, Vader and Obi-Wan in the first um, Star Wars, you sort of think like, well, this is pretty cool, but wouldn't it be cooler if, you know, it was heightened and there was all this amazing choreography and things like this? This is sort of like the, to me, this is sort of the apex of what a what a lightsaber battle can and should be.
1: Um, I'm going to pull like a Norm McDonald on a weekend update and take out my little cassette recorder and be like note to self right here to remind myself that we need to do uh, a... Star Wars music ranking as well with all the, and we don't have to spoil what our top picks would be <laughs> now, but there's, I feel like there's enough good scoring and songs to, uh, to definitely do a ranking and dual the fates. I think we can all agree is going to be very close to the top.
4: Fun fact, um, during the early days of the pandemic, um, I'm a lifelong violinist. I've played violin since I was like seven years old. Um, And I kind of gave up on it, you know, a little bit. But during the pandemic, one of my, during the height of the pandemic, one of my projects was I bought a book of Star Wars sheet music and learned how to play. I'd played like a little bit over the years, but I was like, I'm going to learn how to play Duel of the Fates and I'm going to learn how to play, you know, the Imperial March and all of those things. So um, if you ever need like a a mediocre violinist
1: to, to, you know, you're
3: going to have to play it whenever we do
1: that podcast episode. Yes. We (laughs) have to get, you know, know, somewhere in my house, I have that same book, but for French horn, my son plays French (laughs) horn. And, you know, there's a lot of French horn in that, in those songs. I mean, there, there there's a lot of it. So, um, and he actually performed it with the New Jersey Youth Orchestra. Um, some of the Star Wars music, oh, so that's we're, we're gonna have to get a concert.
3: Yeah, going on at some point.
1: <laughs> we're
4: gonna form a duet. I mean, we'll we'll write some new some new theme music for the podcast. I mean, we'll but we'll be all set. We're,
1: we're gonna have to rank the songs. That'll be coming up on a future pod. And um, I, I, I mean, you guys, I've said it a million times. It's the best lightsaber battle. I I just hate that they keep going to Ewoks and cutting away and going cutting away to freaking Anakin yelling yippee and his right, you know, his starfighter, but. The other thing I'd say is I totally get why they did it. Um, But what I would have done if I were making Star Wars and thank God I wasn't. But if I had been, the one thing I would have done was I would have kept that awesome shot in the trailer where Maul's double lights stairs revealed out of the trailer. Because can you imagine Mm -hmm. how people would have lost their minds when they're sitting there at the movie and all of a sudden the doors open up? Duel of the Fates cranks in, and then he takes out and ad- and ignites the double lightsaber. And people didn't know it was coming. Yeah, it oh, just that what an incredible amazing. moment! As if people was... weren't
2: already going to see it or weren't already buying mall toys. Like his his face was everywhere um, in the run up to to Phantom Menace. It's like you didn't need to spoil that to like get people I know. To, to watch it.
4: I'm pretty sure I had like a cereal toy that was like. Maul's double-bladed lightsaber, but I think both sides were spoons. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I
1: got that, that in a
3: Honey Nut Cheerios messy. box. That
2: sounds kind of messy, <laughs> right? Enough. Especially with milk to, involved. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I was going to Taco Bell every week for like <laughs> two months because they had a special promotion where there's like a new toy every week or something, uh-huh. and you got some sort of some sort of Taco Bell combo meal. You get some stupid Phantom Menace toy. And, I'm uh, so sorry for your digestive uh, no, system. <laughs> I still have them somewhere. All right, so listen, we all agree that's number one, uh, or at yeah. least Lauren, somewhat begrudgingly, now agrees it's number one. No,
3: I, I'll, I'll give it. You know, it's been three years. I've rethought my my uh, my flawed arguments before, so I will. Agree.
1: We're gonna we're actually gonna get more into that flawed argument in a little bit. But before we mm-hmm. get to that, let's talk about number two on your list, which was Ray and Ren together, um, his last Jedi against the Praetorian Guards in Snoke's chamber with all that red. There's just a lot of red happening in that background. Uh, Lauren, why is that one number two on the list?
3: Um, okay. So I did write this before I wrote Rise of Skywalker, which I probably would have, you know, in my post Rise of Skywalker uh, annoyance, I would have probably downranked everything. <laughs> Jesus, but, nothing escapes uh, unscathed
0: I, from no, Lauren. No, Morgan.
3: no, no. But, but I will admit like the first time when I saw uh, Last Jedi in the theater, and just the whole from that moment when he cut Snoke in half and then they went back to back and then it was like I was literally like just agog the entire the entire uh, moment. And like it's also like not even only the lightsaber battle, but it's like what happens after the lightsaber battle and, uh, you know, between the you know, when, you know. Ray is getting her heart torn out and so is he. And it just like the whole thing is just like, I think was just kind of an extraordinary set piece. So I think it was just amazing. And just the, the way it was shot and the like this, the red and I just think the whole thing was really pretty masterful, no matter what they did afterwards um, to sort of muck up the characters. Um, Now that I look at it though, I probably would have moved Mustafar up above that one. But at the time I was, you know, pretty, pretty much, uh, all throne room.
2: I remember you were pretty high on this when we mm-hmm. were when we were debating it. And one of the things that's really interesting about it, which for me is kind of the main argument against it being number one, even though I love it, and I'm so glad we're talking about the least controversial movie in Star Wars history. <laughs> um, one of the things that's interesting to me about this fight and the movie in general, because there's another, you know, the Luke you have the Luke Kylo scene at the end too. You have at least two or three scenes in Last Jedi, which could be described as lightsaber fights because they are fights involving lightsabers, but mm-hmm. never at any point in that movie do two lightsabers connect or make contact, um, which I think is a really interesting choice Um for me, that means it can't be number one on a on a list of lightsaber fights. Like you do mm-hmm. have to have some blue and red going at each other for that top slot. But uh, the filmmaking is impeccable, and and I actually wanted to make two points about it related to the things you were just talking about, Dalton. Like when you say, "Oh, how awesome would that have been a moment in the theater, not knowing that Maul was going to bring out the double sided lightsaber?" The moment I can most that for me is most similar to that actually happening is Kylo killing Snoke in the middle mm-hmm. of um, Last Jedi and then teaming up with Rey. Like, and I saw this movie like four times in theaters during the first week or two it was open. So like, it was always so fun. And the people did not know it was coming. It's one of the, you know, as we know, the sequel trilogy is like the prequel trilogy actually – is often trying to reflect its corresponding movie in the original trilogy, and that is not something that happens in Empire Strikes Back. Palpatine does not get ganked by a lightsaber in the middle of Empire Strikes Back. So that made it feel uh, really fresh and cool. And then just when it comes... I do want to give some credit to the Praetorian Guard. They may not be lightsaber wielders, but they are really awesome, and they make the most of their showcase scene. Um, You know, Dalton, uh, you were just saying, obviously, Star Wars hand in hand with toys and toys are such a big part of star wars and you create you know uh, this and and our our character list reflected this too there are so many characters that just pop up for like a scene in a movie or whatever but you can get them as a toy you can read about their wikipedia page and 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 that's how this galaxy does its world building and i think the praetorian guards going into Last Jedi, I knew about them. They, you know, they were covered in EW's preview coverage of that movie. And I was like, okay, sure. Like another, uh, another toy, basically the same way as like Palpatine's guards in the prequel trilogy or Grievous's guards, you know, all those characters that are just in the background to be a toy if you want or whatever. And yet like, their the Praetorian Guard's potential is used to like a hundred percent. Like everything cool that they could possibly do is on film in this scene. I love how they all use their weapons in different ways. Um it's just awesome. Uh and so I really love this scene. I love it every time I watch it. And I think it's fun that it's a lightsaber fight without lightsabers fighting, but that does mean for me it can't be number one.
3: Yeah. I do remember having that argument about the certain parameters of the lightsaber fight where it was like, Okay, these two like I think that's why we kind of knocked out Luke and Kylo's battle, because yeah. we were like, they don't actually clash lightsabers, so this technically can't be a battle. Like I think yeah. we had some some of those kind of things going on in these
1: so I, I know how Devin feels at The Last Jedi, so I'm sure she approves of the placement here of this scene at number two.
4: I was gonna say it is it is well documented that I, I am a fan, and part of the reason I am such a fan of that movie is this scene in particular. I think this is not just the best scene in the film, but arguably one of the best scenes in Star Wars. It is it it means like it's just so much fun to watch. It like has emotion behind it it's not just a battle for the sake of like let's see what kind of crazy tricks we can do there's like a story behind it but it's also just so much fun to watch you know like christian was saying like seeing this in the theater i also saw it a couple times in the theater and you know even when i knew what was coming like watching the people around me Mm -hmm. react to it was was, like just such a blast and i think it's beautifully choreographed i think it's very brutal in a way that a lot of star wars fights aren't always um you know with the jedi there's this sort of you know almost like ethereal acrobatic quality to a lot of these lightsaber fights but this one is particularly brutal you know like um there's sweat dripping down their faces and like it like it's painful and it hurts and it's it's just gorgeous to look at there's it's there's almost like a romanticism to it and it's just the choreography is incredible you know people have written you know thousands of words of fan fiction just based on the way that like um uh, ray like grabs kylo's like thigh Mm -hmm. at one point like it's it's just so much fun to watch and i think as soon as we finish recording this i'm just going to pull it up on youtube and rewatch it again
1: yeah, I'm I i I'm totally cool with this at number two. You guys know I'm not quite as crazy about Last Jedi as some of you are, although I think certain, but my, what, my whole thing I've always said about Last Jedi is has some of the best moments yeah. in any mm-hmm. Star Wars film. And this is one of them. This is one uh, uh, Luke versus Kylo is one. The Holdo maneuver is one. And so it's just, you get those like just spine tingling moments. And this is one, and I think you said the, the right word, Devin, is the choreography is just so incredible in this. That's what I love about the Phantom Menace one as well. And there's just that one move. I I don't even know if I have the exact motion of it right, but we're, but Kylo just sort of catches the lightsaber and just taps the button and it goes through the guy's eye. Yeah. It just like, goes oh, on,
2: like, yeah. straight through. You've never, so seen a lightsaber, you've never seen a lightsaber used that way as, yeah. like, a, as like a gun, basically. Yeah. He uses yeah. it at the so end. And I remember cool. someone
3: saying like, uh, Kylo kind of fights like a bar brawler with a lightsaber. He's not like this super like elegant fighter. He's really like, just like, he's just like an, an all out brawl and he's ready to do damage no matter which way he can do it
1: it's super badass. Like we said, it's unexpected. It's shot well, it's choreographed well, it's violent. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's got everything. I, I think it's a great pick at number and two. It's like I, they're, I,
2: the, they're all running out of breath. Like, you don't know, yeah. like, it, and, and because it's coming off this shocking thing that you didn't know what was going to happen. It does have that energy of like, what's gonna happen? Like what's going on here? And then a guy gets kicked into a fan and t- turns into a bunch of confetti.
1: Also, just bonus points for getting rid of Snoke. I mean, what a yeah. lame character. Yeah, weak Snoke character. <laughs> just, like, Did he so even make lame. our list?
2: We might have kept no. him off. No, and we, no kept we him didn't. Off. Totally <laughs> kept him off. <laughs> Righteously so. Uh, I think. It's, but it's,
4: honestly, one of the great deaths yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah. Like, right. So, oh my God,
1: that whole- It's, it's Nicky and Apollo from Lost. <laughs> you know, like there were like,
2: crappy <laughs> characters, but you gave him a great death. Yeah, absolutely. And then I just wanted to say something just in terms of the filmmaking. Something that's always kind of interesting to me about this is like, like after the first couple times I watched it I would just say to myself like oh some of the praetorian guards are female and I think that's cool and then I was like wait I don't actually know if that's true or not but the way that their armor is like how their armor is totally covers themselves and is kind of a mirror I would do these things where like oh may- the ones the ones who were fighting Rey I think are like reflecting Rey or something mm-hmm. or like the ones that are fighting Kylo are like reflecting Kylo um I don't know, just another cool thing about that design, which as I said, they use to the maximum, like so many Star Wars characters are not used to their maximum on screen. And that's where we get fanfic and playing with toys and comic books and all that from, but they really like, they made this design and they max, they juiced it for all they had from it on screen.
4: The Praetorian guards are what the Knights of Ren yeah, should
2: absolutely, have been. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you yeah, don't even have to like give them names or whatever, but just the fact that they each use the weapon in a different way—like some of them split it into knives, some some use it as like a spear. Uh, I just love, I love that.
1: There's a definite traitor vibe yeah. to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's so, so good. <laughs> all right, listen, we're not going to go through every single one in depth, but but I've got here's what I want to do. I got two big gripes. And I'm allowed to give you my gripe. I've been been waiting for the gripe. So So far, it's been very very agreeable. They're (laughs) coming. Well, you've been so right so far. You've been so right. And then you screwed it all up at number three. Congratulations, Lauren and Christian. So here's my gripe. I'm shocked, my first gripe. I'm shocked that Lauren is sitting here saying she wanted Mustafar at number one. And uh, because I'm still shocked, it's at number three. For me to put Mustafar at three, ahead of Luke versus Vader in Empire Strikes Back when the dude chops off his own son's hand at four is crazy pants. And I'll tell you why first, you know, it, it's, it's, I don't Lauren, I guess you didn't see Empire in the theater, right? You were just a little too young, so you didn't see it right when it came I out. I
3: might have. My sister swears that I did, and she, she's four years older than I am. So she, you know, I mean, I was in the womb in New Hope. So I assume I saw, my parents right. didn't really pay attention to whether you were supposed to take small children to violent things or not. So I, mean, I, think I assume like, I was.
1: You know, like sports, sorry, I always bring up sports analogies and I don't think you guys care about this at all. Star Wars podcast. Well, know, Do you think well, we care about yeah. sports? Uh, what are Tell these me if this makes sports. sense. Tell me if this makes sense. If you take the best basketball player from like the 1960s, like Wilt Chamberlain, the guy scored a hundred points. The late Bill right? Russell. He in, yeah, he was insanely dominant. You, if if Wilt Chamberlain, all of a sudden was in a DeLorean, and then like ended up in 2022, he wouldn't even make a basketball team, right? right? Like mm-hmm. it's just sort of the evolution of the sport and athletes. So while the seed in Empire in 2022 eyes might not seem as impressive. In 1980, that was pretty freaking badass. And we talk about the the styling and the blue and the black and Bespin mm-hmm. and that carbonite room, and then like following down on that and then on that platform, it, and then the most famous line in cinematic history. You could argue in the midst of this battle, and then chopping off his son's hand to put that below Mustafar, which is just a, just an overly CGI. They're they're in the Lauren. That scene, and I don't hate the Mustafar scene, that scene in the lava where they jump on the little droids Mm -hmm. moving across the lava that looks so fake and cheesy, that's above Luke versus Vader?
3: Well, first of all, I will remind you that I said this on another podcast. I did not like Empire as a child because I did not like seeing Luke's hand getting cut off. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that was out of the contention how I did you let this happen Then Christian, no, but, uh, what you uh, mostly Mustafar I think is because of Ewan McGregor's performance towards the end after he has chopped off multiple limbs multiple limbs not just one hand multiple limbs it's not even the lightsaber battle <laughs> it's no, the, but they think, of the number of limbs yeah, that get it's chopped the off the number of limbs that get chopped off no but I think you see in the Mustafar battle you see two Jedi fighters or two trained fight, uh, lightsaber b- fighters at the peak of their skill at like you know absolutely and there's some stuff that's like silly with the jumping on the things like that but like two people going at it and they're both extremely well trained and it's like the peak of Anakin's skill this is the peak of obi Wan's skill and i just found that extremely exciting and also you've got the fact that these are two people who were brothers and now they find that each other on the opposite side of these things and you've got uh, Obi-Wan's just heartbreak at what is going on here and he just saw that his his uh apprentice murdering children and so and I think there's like so much that Ewan McGregor brings to it in the performance of it at the end of it where it's just sort of like you know and where he's just sort of like howling at him and I just always thought that that was like that was out of you know I I have a very complicated relationship with the prequels but for me when I was watching that in the theater and just like seeing that I was just like I felt like that was the thing that like helped land the prequels for me about this, what this story was about and the tragedy behind that. And I felt like that battle encapsulated everything on, that I needed on. these things to be.
1: That that tragedy mm-hmm. is a bigger tragedy than Luke finding out Darth Vader was his father who just chopped off his hand. <laughs> I'm going to gig that though. Like, you talk to me about tragedy? Yes.
3: Yeah. But the thing just, is, you always also knew, like, since like, like, by the time you know, I was like conscious enough to understand these things, the shock of that, like I just always knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father like it just was kind of like how I was you know was in my lizard brain I knew this information it wasn't shocking anymore so for me that that does come to with the fact that. so you're admitting it was better then
1: so you're saying it was better (laughs) you're saying what you just told me was (laughs) only because you knew what happened that you downgraded it
3: (laughs) no well also he chopped off his hand and I didn't like it when I was a kid but no I I know
1: where this is going I know where this is going Christian because Lauren said she fought for this at number one so you tell me if I'm wrong on this. Christian knows what's up. He knows that <laughs> Luke versus Vader was better, but he had spent so much energy talking Lauren down from number one that he felt he couldn't get
2: her below I gave three. Up, no,
3: I gave up on number one pretty quick
2: Is that what happened, Christian? Yeah, I mean, I remember. I think definitely. You know, I'm just a a, a kid of the prequels, and and I grew mm-hmm. up with them. And and what I'll say for for Obi Wan Vader on Mustafar is that it is what you're waiting for for three movies, like from mm-hmm. the moment. That, that the prequels start, you're waiting for how does Obi-Wan uh, beat the crap out of this kid, and it's made, it's almost helped by how annoying Hayden Christensen's performance is, that you're like, man, I really want to see someone beat the crap out of this kid and throw him into a bunch of lava. Um, so I think I wasn't necessarily expecting Lauren's Mustafar fandom going in, and so when she did, you know, I, like I said, I, I was determined to have Duel of the Fates at number one, made sure that happened, and then I guess I was I, I was willing to concede to her putting Mustafar up as high as possible because she was so passionate for it. Um ah. I do love Empire though, and, and just as a just as a counterpoint to Lauren, I will just say that there are YouTube videos out there where like parents will film their little kids watching the I Am Your Father revelation mm-hmm. for the first time. And if you don't know, it still hits if you're a kid and like they're all just like, like gaping. I love I love watching those. It's it's awesome. Um, speaking of brutality, like that's a brutal fight.
3: <laughs> but my my daughter has actually seen, she's seen like Empire before, but like when she was too younger. And I was watching like the cut scene in, again, Lego Star Wars. And she's like, wait. And that was how she kind <laughs> <last night. Lauren>,
1: of <laughs> Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, Lauren, don't, don't do I know, I know. I know. <laughs> thing was, the thing was-
3: she had seen it before, but, you know, I, I mean, I know, Dalton, it's been a while since you had young children. You can show a kid something at three or four and then when they see it again when they're seven or like, you know, if it goes long enough, they don't remember when you showed it to them. So no. it's just like, you know, so she has all sorts of questions about like, you know. And I'm like, I'm like, you've seen these things before, but you know, there's always a surprise of when it is a new, a new fact for her.
1: Devin, uh, which is better, Luke versus Vader, or the scene on Mustafar, which Lauren insists on pronouncing Mustafar. <laughs>
3: Mustafar, Mustafar. I switch back and forth on the pr- pronunciation, and you were the one who was mispronouncing courage last week, so don't get me. Uh, <laughs> uh, at least I
1: realized it. <laughs> no. I Double down on it.
3: Uh, I.
4: I I um regretfully abstain from from picking one or the other because I I love both of these fights for for different reasons. Um Mustafar, as I've told this story I know on the podcast, I went to see Revenge of the Sith with my little brother for my little brother's birthday party. So it's me and a bunch of nine-year-olds. And I think it is the um the hardest I have ever sobbed in a movie theater. Like more than like the notebook or anything like that. Like you and McGregor saying you were my brother Anakin, just me sobbing, surrounded by all these other sobbing nine-year-olds because it was so emotional and beautiful and this whole fight is just so great. Um, I love the choreography. I love the fact that these are two guys fighting who they have trained together for like more than a decade. So they know all of each other's moves and can, can see what the other person is going to do even before the other person knows they're going to do it. It is so much fun. But... Empire Strikes Back, man. It is the the pinnacle of of what you know a lightsaber can be, you know, a lightsaber battle can be. Um, you know, we after seeing our, our first sort of intro to it was, you know, Vader and Obi-Wan in a new hope. And it's fine. Like it's it's very moving, it's more emotional, but it's but it's more about the emotion and sort of Obi-Wan's sacrifice as opposed to like the actual battle. Whereas this is like, oh, this is what a real lightsaber battle looks like with two people who are, you know, trying to survive. Um, And I love the way they move through all these different sets. I love the way that they move from like bright light to the shadows. It's almost like Vader's hunting him where he sort of like will come out of the shadows and then like disappear. And it's almost like kind of got horror movie jump scare vibes where you're like, you don't know where he is um, that I, I really love. And so I think if I had to pick, I would probably put Empire a little higher. I think Empire edges out Mustafar just a okay. Well, that's bit. enough
1: time for today. We <laughs> are <everyone> to <watching> limited. <laughs> Devin has weighed in. Empire <laughs> is better than Mustafar.
4: I am the arbitrator. I what I say goes.
3: I will say from the cinematography, Empire has better cinematography. I believe.
4: But I think I think they're both incredible fights for for I think they are the the top tier of what a, a lightsaber battle can be in Star Wars. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, L- Lauren, I'm afraid uh, judging by what Devin said, I believe I have the high ground in this <laughs> argument. So oh, there
2: we go. Gotcha. Uh,
1: all right, let's let's go to my second big gripe for the list, um, which is not going to surprise you all at all. This is this Rogue
2: one? <laughs> it's Rogue
1: one. Of course it is. the The Darth Vader scene <laughs> at the end of Rogue One, I was in a a, um, a preview audience. So we we're seeing it a few days before it come out. And maybe some of you were there. I can't remember. Um, uh, probably Lincoln Center, uh, AMC. And so- I was probably in the same audience yeah, with you. Yeah. So yeah. we didn't know what to expect. And this is a scene of media people. Media people are jaded. Like, you know, like they, they're not the type of people they're going to clap after a movie or like whoop and hoop and holler when the Star Wars logo comes on the screen. You got to be too cool for school if you're in the New York city entertainment media and you're surrounded by other media people. So when that Vader scene happened, everybody lost their S like it was completely just like what? (laughs) And the scene is so incredible because we'd watched this character been softened, you know, through this sort of trilogy and, and to, to watch him be Vader again, let Vader be Vader and just ruthlessly like slice and dice and force choke his way through that corridor was so exhilarating. I mean, exhilarating is the best word I can use. And yet here it is sitting at number eight on your list. I need answers.
3: No lightsabers crossed. It's a one-sided battle.
1: Neither do they in number two. You're number two, no lightsabers crossed. There's Uh,
3: There's two lightsabers in that one. This one is one lightsaber. (laughs) I
4: would also argue that, you know, the, the, the Praetorian Guards, that I mean, that's lightsaber adjacent, yeah. whereas this is just, you know, this is like more of just like a solo show.
3: It's not a battle, it's a slaughter. It's a massacre.
1: But if you're talking about the feeling it exudes, the way it's set and choreographed, I, I just have no idea. And I, I'm okay. I'm actually okay if it's number four or something like that. How it ends up at number eight, I have no idea what's going on
2: well i will say that uh w- going in aside from wanting duel of the fates uh to be number one uh i did want the yoda palpatine fight from avenge of the sith to be as high as possible that's the one right above it at number and seven i, I think i was I really a- trying
3: to down that one <laughs> and so. i have a very I don't personal, like I just on this it. one i, I watch like it on youtube all.
2: all the time I'm obsessed with it. Wait, wait. No, does, that, does that include, by the way, when you're
1: ranking, does that include Palpatine and his like, being blown over in the back of his chair Absolutely. in his
2: office? <laughs> It has to involve one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars, which is Yoda walking into Palpatine's throne room and the and the guards move and he just like, he decks them with like a yeah. flick of his wrist and they just crumble and do not get up again. That's one of my favorite moments. Um, but I'm, I'm, we're not really talking about that fight, but that's why it's above <laughs> Vader on this mm-hmm. Because that was one of my um, personal things. I mean, I do love the Vader scene. Rogue One is a—I don't know how often it's come up on this podcast. Probably a lot in advance of Andor. Um, Rogue One's kind of a tricky movie for me because I don't really care that much about um, the Jin Urso character or the first hour and a half of setup. But I think the last hour of Rogue One, which is all which this fight is a, is a part of, um, is some of my favorite stuff in Star Wars and and i do love that you know it's obviously mostly a war movie and then vader comes in and through sheer force of character and iconography and personality briefly turns it into a horror movie um i i mean i love every time it comes up um so i do love it but i think that was some of our uh calculations you know it's it was it was tough to 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 i'll just say this it was kind of tough to juggle the um all the new Star Wars movies, which have such great lightsaber content, because you mm-hmm. can't go in, you can't make a new Star Wars project without wanting to, I assume, without wanting to make some cool lightsaber stuff, and balancing that kind of with the canon of the first six movies of um, whether, you know, the Vader-Luke fights and uh, um, even the, the prequel stuff, um, that was probably the challenge of this list. And, you know, e- even when we were making this list, you know, it's been twice as long now since Rogue One came out, so I think yeah. it's it's it we've had a little more time to um, settle this that Vader scene for and really recognize it and canonize it. Whereas when we were making this list, it was it was still kind of fresh. Uh, yeah, it was so, yeah. pretty uh- new.
1: I was really, you know, counting on Devin's vote for the Empire over Mustafar thing. I really kind of don't want to go to her on this one because I don't think she's as big a fan of this scene as I am, but I guess I better give her a fair time to, to weigh in.
4: I am I am not. No, to be clear, I completely agree with Christian. Um, the last hour of Rogue One is an awesome Star Wars movie. The rest of it is, I think, very mediocre. Um, I I really, I do like the the Vader scene. I don't think it had as much of an effect on me as maybe like the like the Kylo Ray lightsaber battle in last Jedi. I I didn't quite have that same, uh, it didn't quite speak to me in the the same way. Um, But I I do think it's really impressive and kind of beautiful, beautiful. But I do think, I, I think the name of this list is the best star Wars lightsaber battles. And again, I don't think this is a battle. I, I don't think it's it's you know it. it, it um, I, I think it should be on the list, absolutely. But I, I have you know I don't think you could make the argument to rank it a little higher because I just think the way it's 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 not a it's not a battle. It's a it's a it's a massacre. It's a it's a cool lights. If now if this was the coolest lightsaber moments, I think you could make an argument. But I'm going to be a stickler
1: for for wording, and I, I think it should be where it is. I, but if but if then but again we have number two with no lightsabers cross. At all in our, but numbers. I don't know. I think about more of a battle because
2: it's more of like <laughs> the it's same a fight side, between though, on the same side.
3: But they're fighting things. He's just <laughs> killing everybody. Yeah,
2: he. This is kind of a massacre. The, right, they're fighting really and they, he's aggressive. killing. I mean, there are people with guns.
0: <laughs> they're guns the, shooting at him. The
4: Praetorian them. guards are like an actual like. Adversary, they're like mm-hmm. they're an opponent, whereas like this is more just like the uh, the the rebel soldiers are just people who are invaders. Way like there is no there there is no battle, there's no back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a true lightsaber battle has to have that sort of back and forth, where like the changing of of um, you know who has the upper hand and things like that. So I know that's semantics, but do
2: you uh, have a favorite kill from this scene, Dalton?
1: All of them. They're all my favorite <laughs>
2: kills because I, I think my favorite is when he. Throws the guy against the ceiling. And then as he's walking under him, just kind of slices him. That's my favorite. The guy
1: in the glass, like pounding in the glass to be let out. Let me tell you something. I can't see the future. I have no psychic powers. (laughs) But I can guarantee you this. I can guarantee you this to you three jabronis sitting on this podcast with me right now. When we do our every lightsaber battle ranked, this will be higher than eight. Okay? Okay. (laughs) This is
2: not going to be eight.
1: I won't say it's going to be one or two or. I, I, I hope
2: the listeners are enjoying this conversation, which is much as as much as recapping a a, a ranking from a couple of years ago, is really about drawing the battle lines for the next. Uh, <laughs> you are the you <laughs> are the <laughs> people
1: <laughs> in that ship escaping me. I am Vader. You are trying to get through the doors. <laughs> Christian <laughs> and I,
3: our, our discussion was much more civilized than this one. It was very you know, it was very quietly considered. You
1: know? I've got some questions for you and Christian. Uh, these yeah. are more. Just questions that I I (laughs) think. Well, one I noticed about your list. Another, I want you to, to update the list sort of on the fly. Mm -hmm. One, I noticed, I'm not necessarily arguing with this, but I noticed it. Such Dooku disrespect on your list. Count Dooku has three big battles, two against Anakin and Obi-Wan, and one's against uh, master Yoda, which was the first time we saw Yoda ever with a, with a lightsaber.
3: Yoda should be a puppet. He should be a puppet. I don't like CGI Yoda.
1: So what do you do? But then what do you do with, so do you not have him lightsaber battle?
2: As, i don't know a, but he should be he should be
3: lightsabering battling as a puppet i, I mean like we hard. were just
2: saying i had to i had to fight really hard to get yoda versus palpatine uh in the 10 Oh, and so for for a me,
1: th- okay
2: for me that's thing. my choice even though even though again speaking of star wars theater moments yoda pulling up the lightsaber and jumping around in clones is pretty fun mm-hmm. um but yeah, I think it, it looked like we could only get one Yoda fight on the list and I went for Palpatine. Um, also, one of the reasons Dooku disrespect, I mean, I just love the Palpatine fights in Revenge of the Sith in general. So we also have Mace Windu versus Palpatine on there, which is maybe not, it's not a climactic fight that happens at the climax of the movie like so many of these do, but I really do um, love that scene.
1: Even, even though it's so clear Ian McDermott like, can barely move in that scene, like the way that's shot it's yeah. like
2: really, it's
1: really weirdly shot.
2: It does look, re- it does look really mm-hmm. weird at times, but I also love it.
4: Okay. I, I do have a question though about a scene that I just realized it's not on here. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could maybe ar- um, argue about the, the, the lightsaber battle of it all, but the, um, the arena scene at the end of clone mm-hmm. um, at the end of attack of the clones.
3: I never liked that one.
4: Really? Yeah. Where there's,
3: like, hundreds of lightsabers? Well, the thing, and- the problem is, I don't like Attack of the Clones, so I've only oh God, watched Laura. it, like, a couple of I times. I mean,
4: yeah, but, like, I don't either, but that's a pretty cool scene. I mean, we gotta give a shout-out to our boy, Kit Fisto, who I think we've mentioned yeah. on probably every episode He's of this part podcast. part of the
2: Mace Windu-Palpatine fight. He lasts yeah. about five seconds longer <laughs> than the other guys.
3: I think it was mostly, like, <laughs> I was, at this point, just very, sort of, anti-all the things that were just too much CGI, like, uh, Except
2: Except
1: except Mustafar, except (laughs) Mustafar, the most CGI scene in the entire movie.
3: That wasn't about the, that wasn't about the setting, that was about the battle that was going on between the two
2: actors. Yeah, there's no, uh, the, there's you know, Attack of the Clones kind of got shafted in favor of Revenge of the Sith on this list. If we were yeah. gonna do one from Attack of the Clones, I, I think it would probably be specifically the climactic battle with Dooku. However, you break mm-hmm. that down, whether it's just Yoda yeah. versus Dooku or or you do because it's kind of three in a like three in a row. It's like a fighting game or whatever. Like you takes them all one at a time. Um, that that I think I would give it to over Geonosis, which is just kind of its own crazy thing.
1: And, and I don't have a problem with you guys at all leaving off the um, the Dooku battle from uh, Sith, yeah. although yeah. the beheading was pretty sweet,
2: like yeah. the beheading moment. It's mo- I mean, yeah. I, again, if we're two doing lightsaber moments. The two a yeah. lights, uh, two-colored lightsaber beheading is, yeah. is pretty cool. It's-
4: Okay, I want to throw it out to all of you guys and we can keep this short, but um, you know, this you guys published this list in 2019 before Star Wars Television was a thing mm-hmm. on Disney Plus. Um and we've had a few lightsaber moments in that. Are there any moments from the television side of
1: things that you would now maybe see if they would make the list? And keep in mind there's three big, three big ones in Obi-Wan. You have two Obi-Wan versus uh, Vader and you get the Vader Reva
3: uh, there's two I would add. I would add in the last season of the Clone Wars, and of course I'm going to stick to my brand, there's the battle between Maul and Ahsoka, and I think it's the Phantom Apprentice. And I thought that was a really good a battle. That's like probably the one animated battle that I would add onto this list. And then I really did like the final battle between uh, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader, yeah. mostly just because of Obi-Wan kicks his ass. It's more of a rock throwing competition, though, yeah, at a certain point, because you know. he's just <laughs> slamming him with rocks. So, But I did like that one, so...
2: Yeah, I liked that. I mean, the lightsaber stuff, uh, you know, I, I write it in the in the opening paragraphs of this article, but lightsabers are my favorite part of Star Wars, and they always have been. And, uh, you know, talking about this is making me realize that's part of why I love Revenge of the Sith, because there's so much lightsaber stuff in mm-hmm. Sith. So I, And that's what I, I loved. As much as we love Little Leia, like all the lightsaber fights in Obi-Wan were my favorite part of that show, and so I would probably... Um, I would have to re-watch it. I kind of only watched that series once all the way through, but um, I think the final fight with Obi-Wan and Vader would be um, a strong contender for me. And like I was saying about Revenge of the Sith, y- you spend the whole show waiting for that. So mm-hmm. um, it has a lot built into it, and um, I think it delivers.
1: I'd say don't sleep on the Vader-Riva fight in episode five. That was pretty legit. That was pretty... There's that scene where it's sort of... Uh, He's throwing the lightsaber and calling it back. then remember he just drops her lightsaber back on the ground for her to pick up. Like such a badass maneuver. Yeah, I guess I would have to rewatch that because
2: I just remember like, I remember her sneak attack on him and him just blocking it with the force, which again is just a little like not really you're not really equal to this guy
3: I did really like when he tossed the lightsaber at her like on the ground mm-hmm. like try it like yeah, I did thought that I that was like that. a little disrespectful in an interesting way
2: Yeah that was my favorite part of the Vader Riva dynamic and and mm-hmm. him seeing all that coming is like that's what he's prepared for at this moment in the timeline and what he's expect like he's just constantly expecting everyone around him to try betraying him. And so that's what he's ready for and, and knows that he can outfight anybody who's left. And it's the idea that his kids are secretly alive and in hiding from him that he has no context for and is not anticipating or looking for at all is um, kind of what's interesting to me about the Vader and Obi-Wan.
1: Well, the good news is the list is going to get updated. We're going to come <laughs> up with that. We're going to, we're ranking every single, we're going to rank every, anytime a lightsaber gets unsheathed, we're yeah. going to just, it's, it's in there.
3: He's going to delete our list from the, uh, from the, like
1: that, that scene where in Phantom Menace, where like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are just getting the pilots on the plane in Naboo and they just sort of slice two (laughs) droids. It's in there. It's going to get ranked. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's super fun. Christian, thanks for coming on to chat about this with us. This is a blast.
2: Thank you guys so much for having me again. Always a blast to uh, talk Star Wars and specifically rankings and our favorite moments.
1: And, and we are uh, definitely not done talking Star Wars And we're going to talk uh, about a new Star Wars series That may not have any lightsabers at all The Andor yeah. series, which we're going to have you super covered on With interviews with all the big cast members Leading up to the premiere on September 21st And we are going to start this week Right now with Cassian Andor himself Diego Luna He spoke with Devin all about the new series And we're going to play that interview for you Right after this quick break
4: back to when you first started on the show when when the show came around did you find it easy to to slip back into Cassian's shoes or or did it take some time
0: it took some time the first days on set felt very weird and 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 uh, I don't know it was it was kind of like um, something I thought too much about almost you know and we we waited so so long you know to get there uh because I mean, it is a very ambitious project. We, we are, uh, we're telling you like the first season is 12 episodes, is, is the length of four movies, you know? So the pre-production and the development process of that took ages, you know? Uh, so the moment we were actually there, it felt so weird. And uh, also we were about to start and the pandemic hit. So we had to stop, you know, and, and coming back, it was uh, the world was different, you know, uh, and uh, you could tell uh, every protocol and every rule on set was different and changed. The interaction changed, so it, t- it took me time to start to enjoy the process. Uh, but uh, I would say that very soon, I re- I-, I realized that we were very lucky to be doing this, not just because of the times and how difficult they were and how, I mean, just a few productions were actually uh, happening, you know? Uh, most of the industry was freezed, uh, but uh, but it's not just that, it's that these story matter, you know, matter to me, matter to the team, and, and I believe it's pertinent to put it out there. Uh, so it felt like, we are doing the right thing we, you know we're we're telling a story about community about people doing something for for your neighbor uh bringing change uh reacting to to a system uh you know uh, an oppressive system i thought it was like wow it, it's 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 a good time to be talking about the the origins of a revolution, you know, uh, and of and and the awakening of a revolutionary in terms of, of of the journey of Cassian.
4: Absolutely, and I know you've talked about how when you were making Rogue One, you sort of had your own ideas about sort of who Cassian was and questions about kind of where he came from and how he got to to become that person. When the series came together, what a- unanswered questions were you most excited about exploring?
0: Well. Definitely. What is that past? You know, uh, the early ages of Cassian. Uh, he he has this line in in the film where he says, uh, "I've been part of these fights since I was six years old." Answering that question, it, it was really important for me. You know, what what, what does he mean? Uh, why is someone at six years old needs to be in a fight? uh or part of a fight what why would you miss your childhood you know uh and that is that that is an answer we are gonna get here uh and, and also with a fantastic and, and very complicated and very emotional story piece of story that 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 tony gilroy wrote for that 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 particular time you know uh but there's so much there's so much that these serious answers that Rogue One, you know, just questions, but doesn't give answers. Uh, for me, Rogue One is it's very much about an event, and now we're gonna get the chance to actually understand and get to know the character, who he is, the, what pain he carries on, and uh, what are his fears, uh, what is his real motivation? Uh, it's all gonna be answered here.
4: Yeah, I imagine that as an actor, that's such a gift to be able to spend more time with this character and really sort of, you know, dissect who he is and where he came from.
0: It is definitely a beautiful gift. And uh, and also it's a a, a a wonderful challenge, you know, because you, you never approach storytelling this way, you know. I guess you do when you go into a historical piece, you know, when you go and you say like, okay, this this will take place in that event that matters so much, you know, for a country or for the world or whatever. And then you go and tell a story, an intimate story that tells you something you don't know about that event. You know, it's kind of like that, what we're doing here. Uh, so it triggers another p- part of your brain, you know. In a way, it's a, it's creativity at uh, at its best, you know, uh, because you can't you can't do what you've been asked to all the time, you know, which is try to get to an end that no one sees coming. Here's the opposite. Oh, they'll know. Everyone knows already how this ends. But the trick is in uh, in, in in telling you a story that that. You can connect with uh, that explains how someone gets there. You know how is how a man is is gets to a point where he's willing to sacrifice everything for a cause. What needs to happen to him? You know that's what this story is about.
4: Absolutely. It lays the groundwork. And I love in the first couple episodes, I love some of those scenes with you and Stellan Skarsgård. It's just, there's such a fun, like weird relationship between the two of them. What was it like to to work with Stellan and, and what was it like with him on set?
0: Stellan is a man I admire. I consider a friend, um, but most of it is like he's been a referent in my life, you know, uh, his work has been has been important in my life. Uh, his movies, his um, yeah, the stories he, he he told me as audience matter to me, uh, and uh, I've been trying to work with him for a long time. You know, uh, I've been always saying like, "Oh, what about Stellan Skarsgård?" And <laughs> he's uh, and and we were we were about to work in a in a movie that never happened. Uh, at least it didn't happen with us but we were we rehearsed and everything but it didn't happen and uh being on set with him was just perfect you know it felt so right it felt like i was doing something i owe to myself for a long time you know um and and he's he's a very he's a he's a a very humble actor you know he he arrives to find out what he's capable to do with you uh, and and it's 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 important uh you know to to say it because not many actors arrive like that you know he's not thinking about what he can bring to the project or what he needs or it's about what he can do with you and uh uh, and he's always open and receptive, uh, you know, and, and looking for new ways to to find a, a, another to give you another chance. Therefore, he will get one, you know. He thinks that way. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's just a, a beautiful man to work with, and and uh, and someone you can learn a lot from without him even trying to teach you, you know, because he's not that kind of person. Uh, and he enjoys life a lot, and and he's uh, kind of nice to see someone uh, that that cares so much about the very little stuff you know that matters. You know,
4: absolutely. And I also love in these these first couple of episodes, you get to spend some time with this this great droid B two. Tell me, and Tony was telling me that a lot of that was practical. Um, that that droid on set. What was it like to you know share some scenes with with that
0: droid? B2 is, is a, it's a fantastic friend, you know, it's like the, the perfect droid. Uh, I have to say that uh, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of design. First of all, the team behind it is amazing. You know, he's so expressive. Uh, you know, he's so, so expressive with very little, he gives you so much and then the team putting it together, like making it, Act in the moment. It's three people, uh, and uh, and it's um, and their whole team behind, you know, because it's it's not just them, you know. Uh, it, it was it was wonderful to to work with him because it's real, it's there, and he interacts with you the way he he you you'll get to see him, you know. There's no things that he he couldn't do there. That he will do in the series, you know it's all mechanical, it's all happening, and um uh, and uh I don't know, <laughs> I enjoyed it so much it was it was cool, it was weird to be honest, the first days because I was like, holy shit, like before with the uh, in rogue one with k two i was i was in front of an actor, a great actor, you know uh, uh, uh but here it, with with b two it, it was actually a yeah, a, a piece of metal moving, you know, uh, uh, but a metal that was as expressive as any actor I've worked with, and 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 as precise too, you know. That's another thing that is is not easy. Uh, the 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 team making him uh, move and talk is just the best of the best.
4: Oh, I love that. And yeah, I everyone I've talked to has talked a lot about like the production design and filming on location and like, you know, having these really immersive environments. Was there like a particular set that you really loved or really geeked out over? Or like a... Well, um, it's just
0: yeah. with, with Luke, the production designer, it's tough to choose, you know, because he pays so much attention to detail. And also, I would say that the designs are part of the writing. Uh, and this is something uh, not many do either. Like Tony doesn't write a scene unless he knows where it's happening. So the design comes at the same time as the writing comes, you know? So when you are acting in one place, like it's not that you are saying these lines and you're choosing, where should I say them? You know, the lines are related to the space. Uh, and uh, therefore that scene can just happen there. Uh, and, and that is, again, <laughs> A great example of the amount of work that we put behind this series, you know. Uh, so, so every space is the, and and every piece of you know of 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 of, of uh, props and and uh, scenarios uh, is there for a reason, you know. And we get to use it. It's not like the background. It's not there, you know. You go and interact with all of these, you know. Um, we built a whole town, the one you see in the first episode, uh, uh, which is huge, you know, and you could walk from one street to, through an alley and then get to the avenue and go into Vix's uh, place uh, and walk in and find her working, you know, in one shot, like you could make that work that's not normal <laughs> you know that's like living in a dream you know that's how you dream you dream and you go like oh i'm a, i'm in a place that doesn't exist this is a dream but oh my God, it feels very real. Well, that's how it feels to be on a set of of Andor. You know, things are actually real. They 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 work. You 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 push a button and something happens. You know, uh, you open like I remember my house for example. Uh, normally, you wouldn't do that unless I go to set and I say, well, in this scene, I want to open this drawer and 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 get at something out of it. Uh, well here you you would be rehearsing opening a drawer and finding stuff there you know the stuff was there just in case you were going to open the door uh, that's the amount of work that uh, is put behind uh, the production design and the 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 execution of all those designs by a huge team you know that is is working in making sure the space looks lived and real and and uh, that things are actually uh, useful, you know, for us. So it's paradise for actors. And that's why everyone in the cast is gonna talk about this because normally you get to a set where they tell you, don't touch that. Don't lean on that world because if you lean on it, you know, the, the whole place will fall apart. Uh, and here is the opposite. Things are real. You, you almost want it to stay there, you know?
4: you're in a totally other planet. Absolutely.
0: Mm. So,
4: all right, cool. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time to speak with me and I cannot wait to see the rest of the series.
0: Thank you very much for for the interview. Our thanks to Diego
1: Luna and to our own Christian Holub for joining us this week. And thank you for listening to us. Talk all about laser swords for way too long. We appreciate you hanging out with us and we'd appreciate it. If you could please tell all your friends about the podcast, they could hang out as well the more people we can fit in this cantina, the better. Also, if you could follow the podcast and rate the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. If you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out right here on the pod. You'll be famous. Also hit us up on social media. You can follow Entertainment Weekly on all the socials at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us at Dalton Ross, at Devin Cogan, and at Morg Lore. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll do it all again next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin
4: Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening.